The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Welcome everyone, nice to have you on board for episode 44 of the Boys of Tech for Monday the 23rd of November 2009. Joining me via Skype to co-host the show, Brett King, welcome. Hello. Brett, has it been a busy week for you? It has been a boring week. Oh, has it? Busy, but boring. Busy, but boring. Those are one of the worst weeks. Indeed. I'll tell you what there is to look forward to at the end of the week, and in fact, probably have to report on this on the next episode, is KiwiCon. Aye, exactly. Yeah, and I hear, I hear you will be going. Yes, I will be going, and apparently all the talks will be under the Chatham House rules, which means that you can report back all the detail apart from identifying people and organizations. Uh-huh. So that'll be interesting. So mm. somebody hacked into some company and did this. <laughs> That's what it's going to be like. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you'll be able to fill us in on juicy gossip that we will then have no idea about. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. All righty. First up this week, though, the big story out there is that Google is wanting to pretty much rewrite the way that the web works in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> Google are doing what Google does. Change things. Yeah, they're proposing a new protocol which enhances HTTP. It's pronounced Speedy, I think, S-P-D-Y, and it's kind of like an enhanced version of HTTP. When I say enhanced, are things like compressing headers, both request and response headers. Actually, the interesting thing, though, is that in the Speedy protocol, it's only defined for SSL. So everything mm-hmm. uh, on the web would be SSL enabled. Indeed. There are a lot of issues with Speedy, and a lot of people have weighed in on some of the what are currently considerable drawbacks to switching everything over to this protocol that Google wants. Well, for a start, the the fact that it's all SSL, and the fact that it's all SSL, which it's means slow things down. It's going to slow things down. <laughs> it's designed to make things go faster. However, well, if the, the transmission can goes it. faster. Yeah, the transmission goes faster. But SSL, because of the amount, uh, you know, all of the, the, the processor required to do SSL, it'll slow down the, the, the user's computer. It'll slow down the servers as well as they're doing that. Same with all of the compressing. The, the G-zipping out, out on either end is going to also be you know, more resource intensive on the the PCs. And can you imagine it on mobile devices where the, you know, the, the processing power is already at its absolute minimum. And one of the big things which helps organizations and ISPs cut down costs of bandwidth and those sorts of things, caching, SSL doesn't cache. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's got a lot of drawbacks. It's um, I thought one of the most interesting descriptions of it was that Speedy was definitely designed by web people and not network people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that kind of uh, describes it pretty well. In terms of implementing this and you know the increased load on the servers, I think in in real life what we would see is people would simply have more web servers for the same amount of. Uh, they would simply increase the number of web servers. So, because uh, the whole idea of this, as 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 we know, is to speed up the web. That's the whole idea of it. So, mm-hmm. but by by putting an, an increased load on these servers, the way around that is simply to have more servers. But of course, that means you know hosting environments. Will, I'd, I'd imagine their costs would go up because instead of putting say two hundred hosts on one server, and mm-hmm. they might only put say one hundred and twenty or one hundred and fifty, so yep, they're going so to have to increase the cost of need to have yeah, more hardware, hosting. need to have more yeah. power, need to have more space. The you know, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, the the one feature we haven't mentioned yet that that I really like, and I think this. If anything is is probably worth it, is the fact that when you make a, a request for a web page, it's made up of you know twenty, fifty, a hundred sometimes different little components, and they all come together to form this web page. So currently in HTTP, your browser has to make a request for the page, say index.html, and that in there defines all the little components that it then has to go and get individually. But it can't really put them all together until it's received them all, or at least received a bunch of them because there are dependencies. Well, with this new speed protocol whilst it's getting index.html it can start on some of those smaller components even while those other connections are still active unlike Mm -hmm. http where it has to finish the current request before making the next one so that i think that will definitely be a bonus i think that's the best in fact in my view that's the best advantage indeed it's a it's a brilliant advantage and yeah it's something that perhaps should be created as an addition to the current HTTP protocol, you know, HTTP version 2. Yeah, that in Um, itself I think would be, yeah, I agree. Yeah, one of the other issues with trying to replace the protocol that runs uh, runs the World Wide Web with a brand new protocol is the fact that there's no backwards compatibility with it. Speedy doesn't isn't backwards compatible with HTTP. There's none of that failover. And exactly. what about yeah. the browsers which don't support Speedy? How does it know which protocol to use? I wonder if they could solve that by handshaking at the beginning, so that you know yours. But then, as you say, your servers would have to be be able to serve up via Speedy and also serve up via HTTP. Because as you say, there are going to be clients that are still running HTTP even when others are running Speedy. So, yeah, mm-hmm. these are all challenges that changing the underlying delivery mechanism of the web faces. Well, the Internet Engineering Task Force, who are the ones who look at internet standards and those sorts of things, they, uh, they're not keen on blanketly replacing protocols that already exist and are already used on such a large scale as this on the internet. They much prefer incremental enhancements with backwards compatibility of current protocols. And that makes sense. That's a much better way of engineering your... It is, it is. And it allows grandfathering stuff in, whereas bringing in something brand new, which is not backwards compatible, which is, well, not not really backwards compatible at all because it's, you know, it's cross compatible. When it's not, that sort of thing is a ha. (laughs) It's incredibly difficult to do. How many websites already exist out there? how much traffic is already going across all of these sorts of things. (laughs) Imagine the coordination of attempting to say, well, the people who govern the internet have decided that the World Wide Web will now use this new protocol, which means from this day forward, everything must use this. How's that going to work? Imagine the coordination with that. (laughs) Who would have the... Who would would be able to actually say that? (laughs) 
can you see Microsoft reading the specifications and actually implementing the, the specifications? <laughs> mm. uh, you know, I take your point. If they were to implement it, you'd want to have it so that the two could run in in connection with with each other. Yeah, as you know, as more as, instead of an entirely separate protocol, it could be more as a you know speedy enhancement to HTTP. I can see why Google are wanting to do this because. They've analysed HTTP quite well in terms of its shortcomings mm-hmm. and limitations. Yep. So all they want to do is address those shortcomings with something that's better and faster. So I think their heart's in the right place. Whether or not we we see speedy in the way it's been proposed remains to be seen. I'm 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 guessing not. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I well I don't anticipate seeing it on a large scale anytime soon it would have a a pretty big uphill struggle to get uh, all of the buy-in to get a significant you know switch over to using it and yeah i I think they face exactly the same sort of challenge as what internet protocol version 6 has had and have you know that's been around for a lot longer. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's amazing how how long people hang on to. In, in fact, even HTTP itself, HTTP one point zero is still around. We're having to build new servers these days, new versions of servers that still support HTTP one point zero because there are clients, there are proxies, uh, there mm-hmm. are other you know network devices that don't understand HTTP one point one, even though that's been around for years and yep. years. Well, that's so the thing with people these. People hang on with, to these. Well, that's the thing with these different pieces of these different protocols. There are software that has been, you know, had a lot of investment in built into it to work with the protocol that existed at the time. And sure, there will be people who develop extra enhancements on top of that. But there will be lots of pieces of software and lots of machines and hardware and those sorts of things which are never upgraded or redeveloped to you know, incorporate a new standard. So whenever anybody is bringing in an enhancement to an existing protocol or an existing standard of some kind, they have to keep that backwards compatibility in there. They keep that grandfathering in there. Just perfect case in point is USB. We've got USB 1.1, there's USB 2, USB 3 is coming out, but they're all backwards compatible. And like you say, they have to be, otherwise it just doesn't work. Indeed. So you can always have a USB 2 device and it will work in a USB 1 socket. It won't work as well, but it will still work. I like your suggestion of developing HTTP 2.0, which has the multiplexing feature and that means that you don't have to wait for one request to be finished before Mm -hmm. you can make the next. So I I, I like that. In fact, that's that's what you should do. You should propose your own update to HTTP. I'm sure plenty of people already have. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's probably a lot of these things around. Mm. It well, just I, has to go through the you know, the different standards processes before any of these sorts of things are adopted. I'll say and, this. I'll, I'll say this. Good on Google for having their heart in the right place, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might get a little go a little further forward if it had been speedy enhancements to HTTP instead of an entirely separate protocol. Yeah, it still does rely on the HTTP, though, you have to remember. It still relies on quite a lot from HTTP. But, uh, you know, if they do implement it, as you know, as we said, you'd want it to be backwards compatible. That's the big thing. Mm. Now, speaking of Google, Switzerland is taking them to court over... This is kind of similar to the story in Japan, actually. It's over the yeah. street view. Yeah, there's apparently... <laughs> it's showing too much. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a lot of people take offense at Street View. A lot of it is for completely ridiculous things. But then again, a big chunk of it are for completely legitimate concerns. What Switzerland is taking them to court for is that they believe that Google has not sufficiently made things ambiguous, getting rid of license plate numbers, getting rid of people's faces. They haven't put a sufficient amount of effort into making those people anonymous. And so Switzerland has taken them up for it. That's right. Part of it's also to do with the fact that it's because the cameras are so high, it can see over fences and hedges and malls. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the the reason that they're taking this action, because on Street View, they claim that you can see more than an ordinary passerby would. Yeah, a person on the street would. Which I you can, can see over people's fences, see into schoolyards and people's windows at a higher level. It's yeah, they've they've definitely got a point, and it's good. But it's good to see a country sticking up for the privacy of its people when there are so many countries that are, you know, giving away the privacy of their public <laughs> faster than you can blink. Yeah, the, the Swiss government has asked Google to remove all Swiss Street View photos in, in the interim and not to take any more until a ruling has been made. So, mm-hmm. in fact, I drove past the Google Street View car the other day. It was uh, coming towards me in the opposite direction. And I didn't realize what it was until I saw this weird thing on the roof and I thought, what on earth is that? And then I realized uh, as the car went past, it had the Google logo on it. (laughs) But it was driving quite fast. So I don't know that it was taking photos. I think it was going somewhere because it was driving quite fast. But I might have to have a look on Salamanca Road, Wellington, New Zealand. (laughs) See if you're on it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I'd be blurred out if I was. No, like I say, I think it was going far too fast. In fact, I think they were speeding. No pun intended. Oh. <laughs> Must be that new protocol. Yeah, well, yes, indeed. They've already implemented it in the Google, in the Google Street View car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can just see the news stories, eh? We are currently using Speedy in our Google Street View car. <laughs> the protocol is working well. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Now, on to Apple News. A couple of Apple stories here. First of all, this uh, Apple have filed for a patent that... Well, no one really knows what they're going to do with, but the best guesstimate is that they're going to develop some ad-supported operating system or some ad-supported model for software. The patent application is for delivering advertisements that have to be watched, that can't be skipped or, or bypassed. So what they're going to do with this is, a, well, anyone's guess. I mean, are they gonna? Are you gonna have to see, uh, watch ads on the desktop behind your applications or something? Mm. Or is the screen gonna freeze and show you an ad, and then you can continue again? Well, as part of the application, there as, there is, as you said, you know, some an enforcement thing which stops you from being able to to just skip the advert, and you may be prompted with questions or you know something to show that you've actually watched the advert yeah so they're going to give you a little test aren't they yeah some sort of little test or some sort of little challenge response thing to make sure that you've been paying attention or you're still there while the the advert was playing so it couldn't just be an advert sitting in the background then in, in that situation, yeah, it couldn't not. be an advert running on your desktop while you're working on something on top of it. It would have to get in your face. 
Hey, I just had a thought. What about the what about users with disabilities? Precisely. It'd be incredibly bad for, for people with disabilities. Yeah. Anything like that, which, you know, takes away focus from what the person's actually doing on and puts it somewhere else and possibly onto something which may or may not be presented accessibly is going to be incredibly detrimental to, a, you know, a relatively significant population. It's anyone's guess as to what they're actually going to do because... People are kind of trying to work it out from the painted application. And, yeah, it's and this incredibly has before that, Well, this is the thing. This has happened before. People speculate on the you know, basis of what they've seen in the application and, and the, you know, the patent application. And when it comes out, it's something quite different to what they thought. I, this has happened in the past. And mm. I kind of hope this is the case this time because I don't really like the idea of where this is going. Yeah, I'm not a fan of where it could lead. and. You're completely right. It may come out as something completely different and completely benign, or it may not be used at all because companies are constantly filing experimental patents, patents on experimental ideas and things that they've come up with, but things that will never see the light of day. And this could very well be one of that. Absolutely. Um, There are a lot of those, as you say, that just don't, don't come to fruition in any sort of way. Yeah, but there has, as you said, been a a lot of speculation on what this could mean and how invasive and how annoying it could turn out to be. It has the potential to be something pretty nasty, and I think that's what people are getting worked up about. Mm. For all we know, it could be that they're going to develop a framework, an application framework that they can offer software developers to mm-hmm. use if they choose to so that they, the software developers that is, so they can produce ad-funded software. And whether anyone, you know, that's one possibility. It is one possibility. I, I Personally, I think it's probably the, the least likely of the possibilities because how is it going to enhance a software developer's own in, inherent ability to make their software do whatever they want? Well, the thing is, after you have a framework, it's so it's kind of like the you know the framework they developed on the was it the iPod Touch I think and the iPhone for taking micropayments. You know, once you have a framework, you just uh, you don't have to think, you don't have to develop anything. It's therefore you just use it, it's just mm-hmm. a few lines of code. So it makes it very easy for software developers to incorporate an ad-funded system without having to bring in their own or implement their own. Mm-hmm. But so I can, uh, I can you, see that. I see you've you know, got a point there. You've got a point there. I, in a way, I hope. Actually, I hope this is what they're doing because that's kind of the least nasty. Oh, I'm not sure. I would call that the least nasty. Yeah, you know, putting making it that easy for the the software developers to just make their software blatantly interrupting and annoying to use is probably going to be more detrimental to the software. Well, like, well, <laughs> not every software manufacturer has to use it. I mean, come on, it's, it's going to be self-correcting in a way because true because if it annoys people too much or too regularly people just aren't going to use it oh absolutely well it's like any ad funded system at the moment that exists at the moment like you know remember Eudora they toyed around with ads at one point Mm. when Eudora was a popular email client and you had the little corner with ads and you you could kind of choose whether you you know you have that or not there there are existing models there are lots of other software out there at, at the moment that more current software, I should say, than Eudora, that has still had that have ads, and it's how you implement yeah. it. It's how often, how much, and how what, often, how much, and whether or not the person can skip it. Because yeah. one of the the big points that a lot of people have, you know, worked on, and we 
were talking about uh, a story last week on you know YouTube bringing in adverts which play and then you are able to be skipped, but they're really short because they've done a lot of work. And if it's over this amount of time, people are going to get annoyed with it and leave. If it's this amount of time, people will watch it. But people prefer to be able to skip things, even if they don't skip it. That option to skip it puts a little more power back in the consumer's hands and allows them to accept things a little more by specifically stating that coming up with a software thing which allows you to implement something which allows the person not to have control, taking the control away from the user, that's, yeah. It sounds I pretty that nasty. Something, that's something that is more likely to put people off using it, even if it meant, you know, a subsidized software. Uh, look at the number of different applications out there which used to have, you know, blatant ad ad-supported funding models, and the ones which stuck the stuff in your face, they are the ones which ended up doing the worst out of it. And a lot of the places which used to do ad-supported software don't do ad-supported software anymore because it hurt their business model. Well, they'll only be shooting themselves in the foot then. I I guess they'd have to learn from this if it goes nasty. So, Mm. Well, it's got that potential. And that's what a lot of people have been getting up in arms about is the fact that there is this potential for it to be really horrible, (laughs) really horrible, take the control away from your hands and put it in the hands of somebody else and force you to watch something and not only force you to watch it, but then have to prove that you watched it. Oh, that's, that's pretty nasty. I agree. That's where you start to get into those, well, sure, (laughs) I might get some awesome software for significantly cheaper, but then I'm forced to watch or forced to engage in this advert every whatever amount of time. A lot of people might grab the software to begin with because it's nice and cheap. It's way cheaper or maybe free. You just have to do this ad-supported thing. But I don't see it lasting a heck of a long time because people do not. People won't put up with those things for very long. They might put up with them at the beginning because they're going, oh, I only paid 20 bucks for this software, which would normally be this exorbitant amount of price. But if something is too intrusive or too interrupting... It won't matter um, anyway. Yeah, Yeah. it it won't matter anyway because people will eventually go, I'm sick of it. (laughs) I was in the middle of doing something. I did not want to see an ad right then. I cannot be bothered answering you. I will find a different software. I will pay a different software manufacturer more money for having using their program, which won't annoy the hell out of me when I'm trying to do my work. But there's, as you said, the, 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 there's nothing in the software patent that says anything about how it's going to be used. No, or, or on what device on, or, as well. Or, yeah, it or, could or be, on what device. Exactly. It could be, it could iPods, be for instance. Yeah. You, you listen to an advert or watch an advert in the little nano screen and then have to do some combination of button pushes to say that you actually paid attention to it. Who knows? Well, it's I wonder if so this is going to be... Which means it's got this... It's, it's got the the perfect potential for everyone to be digging into it and speculating, opening the giant Pandora's box of speculation of what could they mean and how bad is it going to be or not bad or will it happen? <laughs> I mean, we could be speculating here for forever because there's so many possibilities, but just one quick, one last Final thought, I wonder if it's got something to do with movies on the iTunes store or rentals or something like that. I wonder if it's along those lines. It it could indeed. Subscription model maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Or free but ad fund, I'm I'm really not sure. But I Could be. Or maybe, as you said, nothing at all. 
nothing at all. It may actually not ever be used. Precisely. In fact, they'll probably sell the painting to Microsoft. (laughs) That's what what they could do. (laughs) That's how they make their money. (laughs) So we can have another version of of, of Windows, the the Windows Starter Edition, Windows Home Edition, Windows Ad Supported Edition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just add one to the mix here. They've already got about six or seven, so what's another one, eh? All right, still on Apple now. Uh, they've won a judgment against Systar. Now, they are the ones who make the Hackintoshes. Mm. They, but they've modified the Mac OS X bootload and kernel extensions to allow non-Apple hardware to run OS X. And the ruling has come out for Apple. Mm-hmm. And the ruling also dismisses Systar's own request for a summary judgment, which claimed that Apple was abusing copyright to create a monopoly over OS X. One of the reasons the judge dismissed that request is that he noted that Apple's end-user license only affects its own software and doesn't actually constitute unfair control over other companies' behavior. So it's not like Apple are saying, you know, you must not own Microsoft Windows if you want to use a Mac and you have to, you know, get rid of all your Windows machines. That that definitely would be. Mm. Uh, all that Apple are saying is that if you buy OS X, you must only run it on an Apple machine. Yep. And according to the judge, that is not monopolistic behavior. So there you go. So that's a, a win for Apple on that one. Mm. But, you know, there are a lot of people doing Hackintoshes out there. Sistar is just one that sort of makes it, how do I put it, uh, semi-official, if you like. You know, you can go and buy a Hackintosh as opposed to yep. make one. But mm-hmm. there are thousands of people making Hackintoshes. Yeah. When Apple switched to running it on Intel chipsets, they did open it up to a much larger audience than how you know how it had been previously, and so yeah, it was relatively easy to build yourself your own machine which will run OS ten. So I kind of think they should open it up completely. Although having said that, Apple's viewpoint is that it, it works well because they make both the hardware and the software and. They mm. can't go together. So. It works well because it's all compatible, because it's all made. It's it's guaranteed to work properly on this hardware. And if you run it on hardware, which we did not manufacture, we did not provide and create the drivers for, then we can't guarantee it. And that could besmirch the name of the OS. Yeah, that's, I think, where they're coming from on that one. And that's where they're coming from. Whereas that's something Microsoft obviously didn't do, seeing as Windows will run on anything. But just look at the number of complaints that Windows users have over, you know, incompatibilities with hardware they might have. Well, that's true, yeah, driver issues. With driver issues, because the drivers are made by the company, you know, Microsoft will make a driver for something. The company that created the chipset of the piece of hardware will create a driver for it. The sub-manufacturer who licensed that technology and builds devices out of it, which you actually then put into your computer, has their own driver oh, for exactly. it. Oh, exactly, and it and becomes so a mess. driver conflicts, you get horrible messes of, well, which driver do I get to use for it? And so you can get into horrible messes with trying to make an operating system which will run on anything versus what Apple have done, which is try and, which is make their operating system which runs really well on the hardware that they create and, you know, deem as the hardware that this operating system is for. Which is why I've said for a long time, I don't know why Microsoft don't make a machine 
You know, it, I, mm. I would probably buy a Microsoft machine with Microsoft Windows. It, well, if it was guaranteed that it would work flawlessly, then that once again defeats one of the major draw cards to PCs, and that is the fact that they are infinitely upgradable. Yeah, that's true. That it is, is true. The, yeah, it is infinitely upgradable. There are, you know, dozens of vendors for the different bits inside your computer, and so you can go out there and find the bit that you want. And because it's not locked down to a single manufacturer or a single brand coming through, there can be experimental vendors out there producing cutting edge components for your computer, and they're just, you know. Uh, one step away and you can have yourself with ultra fast fine-tuned memory for your computer stick in as many video cards as you could possibly fit into your computer and link them all together and do that sort of thing put in as many hard drives as you want from whoever they came from it's the yeah the the customizability of the pc is one of its one of its great boons and to go along with that infinite customizability, we have to have an operating system which will work on anything <laughs> to the best of its abilities. So it's the you've got to take that that bad with the the good in that situation. I mean, you can upgrade the Macs obviously and put your own video cards and whatnot in there, but oh, there yeah. are far fewer manufacturers and therefore far fewer drivers available because you know so you have to go if you were to do that if, if you were going to add a video card or say a sound card to your mac you have mm. to find one and you can find them but you yeah, have, yeah. you'd have to find one that has that you know that's made for the mac or that you know that has mac drivers and that cuts down your choice by a lot so, as you were saying, absolutely. Now, they've noted that the Chinese military defense website was subjected to a whole heap of hacking attempts in its first month online. I think 2.3 million attempts at hacking. <laughs> you know what I'd like to know is how many of those are coming from the US government and other governments around the world? What do you reckon? Who knows? Who knows? Except, well, except for the, the Chinese who run the logs <laughs> they probably know where they come from well if they're well hidden <laughs> if the tracks are well covered well, up they, yes. may, they may not even properly know but, yeah yeah oh, you know you can almost guarantee there'll be some uh, attempts which were made by some highly skilled professionals and they will have covered their tracks incredibly well but you can you know almost guarantee that a significant portion of those hacking attempts were made by people way less skilled than that who were not very good at covering their tracks and were just having a go at it because it's like you know a giant shining bright bauble of a target <laughs> with a giant bullseye on it of course people are going to try well it would be a lot of kudos if you could claim you were the one who hacked it mm, indeed so it's hard to tell whether they're after information or simply the kudos of having defaced a website that doesn't I thought it was kind of interesting because I did wonder whether there, you know, a lot of that might have come from governments. Yeah, well, it's it's entirely possible. We know the US has huge cyber terrorism and cyber espionage potential, and has put a lot of investment into the infrastructure to create those facilities. So it's entirely I, possible. It is entirely possible. What I thought was really interesting is in in its first month, or to to date. The 
military website, the Chinese military website, has attracted, you know, over one and a quarter billion visitors from yeah, all around a, the world. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of views. Well, yeah, because once again, it's one of those big shiny baubles of a place that you want to go have a look at. Well, you know what? If they put <laughs> Google ads on there, they'd make a heap of money. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the worth from that. Mm. <laughs> uh, but you'd have to go through all of the bureaucracy of, of stuff on Chinese in the Chinese internet. Well, this would be the military itself, though, wouldn't it? So, oh, true. They might be able so to I cut guess they'd, the yeah. Tape. I'm sure they've got little holes in the Great Firewall of China. Mm. Alrighty, last story for the week then. Ads are coming to Twitter. Any guesses, Brett, as to how the how what form they'll take? They the clue is we don't know the answer, but the clue is that they won't be your conventional ads. They'll be non-traditional. I've got my thoughts. Non-traditional ads. Yeah. What are your thoughts? How are they going to be non-traditional? I'll tell you what I think. Okay, I'll start. I'll tell you what I think. (laughs) Non-traditional and people are going to like it. (laughs) Well. Yeah, what's, how, how? What are they going to be? Well, Are we talking about ads on the Twitter website that you you see when you go to Twitter? Or are we talking about ads in tweets? Well, this is exactly what what my thoughts were. Incredibly annoying. Oh, I know. If you got tweets sent to your cell phone. (laughs) <laughs> from people you're following or from stuff like that. And suddenly you're starting to get, you know, tweets sent to your cell phone costing you money off ads. It'd be interesting. Well, actually it doesn't cost to receive, but well, in, in any, I know what you're saying. It's, it's annoying. but In some countries it does. Well, actually, that's true. You are right. Absolutely. I'll, I take that comment back. <laughs> but yeah, I my prediction is that what, what you're going to see are tweets that are in fact ad tweets, but they'll be more than just broadcast. They'll be targeted. So based on stats that they collect, data mining that they perform on your tweets and you know, on everyone's tweets, they'll know stuff about you. They'll know what you're interested in. They'll know some of the topics you talk about. Based on the people you follow, they get a better idea from that. They can build this huge picture of who you are what you like and that's how they're going to target them and they're going to be tweets that's what I predict they are going to be tweets oh can you imagine the privacy issues the privacy concerns that people will get up in arms with about that people hate being followed around yeah I know Massively dislike it. It's like when you talk, you know, have conversations about different agencies which suddenly decide to get together with their big databases and share all that information and then other third-party agencies are able to tap into those things to, you know, find out what it was you buy from Amazon and where it is that you shop on the weekend, what brand of coffee you buy, who are the people that you talk to, and then, you know, try and target ads to you. People don't like that. Well, I people think don't are, like are, it. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> people call it, it, you know, it's an invasion of their privacy. It's like, I don't, you're sure that might be something I might be interested in. But how the hell did you know that? Well, you know, there are two <laughs> levels, though. There are two levels. There's, I agree with what you're saying. Like, you know, they know what you're buying on Amazon. Well, that example there is, that's private stuff. You know, what I buy from Amazon is between me and Amazon, or it should mm-hmm. be. However, tweets are completely public. You know, if you tweet something, you're saying that in public. And that's, I think, slightly less. I think I, I agree with you. People won't like it, but it's slightly less invasive. It's not like well, they've got a, you, yeah, can, you can see they've this. Still got, there's still, a, you know, a mire to wade through there because, you know, a, a conversation you have down the street 
that's in public as well. And a lot of people haven't got, you know, it catches a lot of people out when they're doing stuff on social networking sites and those sorts of things, is that, sure, these things are public, but when you're having a regular conversation on the street, it's got a, you know, a lifespan that is incredibly short. You can say stuff, you're chatting along down the street, it's an incredibly short lifespan, and then that, you know, it's gone. The conversation's gone. There's no, you know, nothing left of it. There's no little hints of it wafting down the street for other people to pick up. And that's where I think a lot of people uh, have not really thought about these different things and what getting so many people into trouble, you know, with cyberbullying and people getting uh, in trouble at work, in trouble at school for things they've popped on social networking sites because they're still going along the fact that, you know, it's, it's... it, it, it lingers. These things linger. And so imagine the different conversations you might be having over tweets that might be very topical at that point in time and you don't want it to stay around. Well, these things could come back to haunt you. Oh, you definitely, you've got a, you've <laughs> got a very good point yeah. there. A very good point. And that's why, you know, if you're on the net, whatever you're doing, whether it's posting a message to a forum or putting something on Facebook or Twittering something on Twitter, you have to do it on the basis that this can be viewed forever and a day afterwards. That's the yeah, way you should think this, about it. But that's exactly I know that people what it don't. is. A lot of people don't. I know. They, they, they don't. I don't know. It just doesn't occur to them. They think of it just like, uh, you know, a conversation down the street, talking over a cup of coffee at a cafe. It, it's, you know, ephemeral and it doesn't hang around. Uh, well, this... <laughs> Things you do here, they, they come back to bite you. The, the other thing that just occurred to me through this is with those things, you know, it, it's trawling through stuff you might have said in your tweets or other, you know, things there. It could come up with some really bizarre things that it thinks you might be interested in because of some stray word that you used in an anecdote or, or a typo. Or typoed. And so <laughs> you might suddenly find that for whatever reason, Twitter thinks you really like Shania Twain or thinks that all you eat are noodles or something like that. <laughs> and suddenly you get these bizarre targeted ads which just don't match you at all. Well, actually, on that, <laughs> on that line, try this. Next time you're on Google on the main page, type in why won't. The first suggestion you get, and this works because I've tried it, the first suggestion you get is, why won't my parakeet eat my diarrhea? <laughs> <laughs> and the people are not asking this question. It, the, the reason this comes up is because Google has a tool that tries to, you know, basically artificial intelligence, trying to work out what you might ask and why based on different connections and stuff. And it's yep. made the wrong connection. People don't actually ask that. It's just a, a quirk and... Google's logic. Yep. <laughs> it's bizarre. So, yes, you could suddenly find out that you know, all of the tweets that you ever get are for things that you have absolutely no interest in whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so that could, be, that could be kind of bad. But if they get it right... And the other part it, of it is the fact that it can very quickly become very spammy. Depending on as you said, you know, something de- delivered as tweets. Suddenly you... you you know, log on to Twitter or whatever and to look at tweets and your entire pages are just filled with ads. Well, I, I hope they, they certainly have some controls as to how many of these we see. And remember, this was just a speculation I made. I could be completely wrong. Mm. But as a Twitter user and Brett as, as a non-Twitter user, <laughs> it'll be interesting <laughs> to see where this goes and whether I still be a Twitter user after after the ads come on. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll keep you. And, I'll keep you posted on that one. And you'll have to let me know if Mr. Costolo is correct in his assumption that people will like it. Well, people will love it, and it will be cool. Uh, so you'll well, have that's to what he said, know. didn't he? Yeah. Yes, yes. He said people will love it, and it will be cool. <laughs> so you'll have to let me know if you love it and if it's cool. Okay, I'll do that. So I'll stand by for these Twitter ads. I haven't seen any yet, but they'll be coming soon. I hear. He didn't give a date, did he? No, I do not see a date at all. Okay, so uh, we'll just have to stand by on that one. So, Brett, look, those are all the stories we had lined up for this week. There's nothing else you want to talk about? Uh, no. Well, we'll wrap up the show then. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> all righty then, Brett. Thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me once again. Always good fun, Ed. And thank you very much, everyone else, for joining us. See you again next week. Till then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.